Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to episode 141 of Martha Runs the World. I am so glad you joined me today. I want to first apologize for my voice. I caught a cold somehow. The first cold in three years, and I had lost my voice this morning, and I was wondering how I was going to talk, but it's back, kind of. So just please forgive its scratchiness, but it is here for a little while, so I can record, and we can get through this, (laughs) or I can get through this anyway. I'm talking about long-term injury and how to get through it. And I'm going to use myself as an example because it's the only example I really know. It's it's not easy. It's super easy to say, oh, yeah, just be positive. Well, you can't always be positive. So I'm going to help give you some tips and ways to deal with it so you don't go stir crazy. All right? So we will get through this. And I will get through my long-term injury. And you can get through it if it happens to you. And I am considering three months or more long-term injury. Three months goes by pretty quickly, but anything longer than that is pretty long-term as far as I'm concerned. Now, just a few stats as we get started. 50% of runners will get injured annually. 70% of runners in a lifetime of running will develop some sort of injury. So most of us in our running lives will get injured. Now, novice runners are at a significantly higher risk of injury than regular runners, seasoned runners, I should say. Knee injuries take up 27% of the injuries, and Achilles tendon and calf injuries are 25%. Now, for non-ultra runners, ankle sprains are in the top five. For ultra runners, anterior compartment syndrome and IT band syndrome or in the top five. According to the Cleveland Health Clinic, the top five running injuries are plantar fasciitis, runner's knee IT band syndrome, and that's iliotibial band, Achilles tendonitis, shin splints, and stress fractures. Now, there's an interesting fact that I did find that even with all the new technology and science in running shoes, that Injury stats haven't changed. So all the billions of dollars put into running shoes and the injuries are still the same. So it's like the old Smith song. What difference does it make? I don't know if it does. Maybe it just makes running more comfortable. It doesn't help the injury stats, though. Running up to 20 miles a week will help us live longer. However, running longer than that increases injury risks. In 2019, Ireland has the most runners per capita running races with 0.05%. The U.S. has 0.01% coming after the Netherlands and the U.K. The U.S., Philippines, and South Africa have the most 5K runners. Norway and Denmark have the most 10K runners. France and the Czech Republic have the most half-marathon runners. Switzerland has the most marathon runners. 
And Finland has the most female tra- trail runners at 43%. That's awesome. There are 1.77 million trail runners worldwide. There are more than 25,000 trail races worldwide each year. This is a few fun facts. I like stats like that. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to statistics, so that's kind of fun. I'm not going to go over all the causes of injuries in this episode. I've done that in more than one episode, and you can go over those and revisit them if you like. I've had experts on talk about them, so you can do that. You can go past and see which ones of those you want to, you want to listen to. And it's really loud all of a sudden outside, so I apologize for that as well. Why is it when I go to record, all of a sudden it gets loud outside? (sighs) This episode is more about how to get through your long-term injuries without losing your mind. (laughs) Okay, now getting through. I think it's important to first face what happens after we're injured. And this could also apply to a long-term illness where you can't run. If you can't run because of a long-term illness, this could also apply to that too. So and so, when I say injury, you could also think illness. Getting injured and not being able to run for a long time can set us up into grief. It's a, it's a great loss. It's a loss of our favorite pastime, our escape, our way to burn off frustration. For some of us, it's a way to talk to God. It's our best friend when there's no one else there. I thought it might be helpful to go over the seven stages of grief. These are the stages we go through when we lose someone dear to us. When we can't run for a while, we have indeed lost someone very dear to us. These are the seven stages. Number one is shock and denial. It's this initial stage when our emotions are at their height. When I was first diagnosed with arthritis in my hip and I was shown the x-rays, so there was no denial. I cried all the way home and kept crying all night. I felt like my life was over. And that was two and a half years ago. And I haven't run for a year because it's just too painful. Like, I can't. We can also have feelings like getting sick to our stomach. We may also feel numb and all of a sudden not have any feelings at all. The second stage is pain and guilt. Once the shock wears away, this may be when the pain hits you the hardest. Not only may you have the pain of your injury, but you may also have the ordeal of not handling it emotionally very well. You may feel guilty over your injury. Why did I need to try to run so fast? Why couldn't I have put more time into strength training? That sort of thing fills your head. This is natural, and it's important in the healing process. Then the third step is anger and bargaining. Anger and frustrations are natural. We're not happy that all of our plans are destroyed, that that race that we had been training for to do next month, we can't do. And who knows if we're going to be able to do it next year. It doesn't help that we read all about the great races our friends are having. We're happy for them, of course. But still... We may try to bargain with God if we believe that's going to help us. 
Stage four is depression, reflection, and loneliness. The reality of the injury becomes the most real in stage four. It's then when we withdraw from our from our Facebook page, we withdraw from looking at our friends' running pictures and their smiling faces at post-race celebrations. Why would we want to look at something that's going to make us feel bad? And the sad thing is, it's at this this time when we need our friends the most. I don't know how I would have gotten through any of this without a very persistent friend insisting to take me out on trails. There were times where I couldn't run at all, but I could hike. And because he was very pushy about it and he insisted that we go out to the trails and I was able to hike, that I kept my sanity. And I really needed those trails at that time. And thanks to his caring about me, that I was there on the trails. It wouldn't have done any good to be at home. I really needed those trails, and I really, really am so grateful to him. Thank you, Michael, very, very much for being my friend at a time when I really needed one. So we really need to lean on our friends, and we shouldn't hide away. But we do. I mean, that's a human thing to do, right? And then the fifth stage, the upward turn. Finally, after what seems like an eternity, you turn a corner and suddenly you don't feel as bad as you once did. Maybe your injury isn't quite as bad or maybe you found relief. Maybe you're going, you have a surgery date, a date for surgery. Maybe you have found a doctor who's going to help you. Maybe... You can walk a little faster. Maybe your physical therapy session went better than ever. And suddenly there's light. All is not dark. And stage six, reconstruction and working through. Grief is a process. And if we relate to it like we do to a long-term injury, this is where you would get surgery if you need it. Or you would continue physical therapy work or anything else that will help you on the road to recovery. And it's long. This is stage six is not, is not short term. This is a long process. It's long. And if you're like me, you're a very impatient person. You don't like to wait, but you have to, you have to work through it. You have to do the right things. You have to listen to your physical therapist because they are indeed magicians and they can work magic, but they need to you to work along with them. You have to do exactly what they say, and you have to do all the exercises that they tell you to do when they tell you to do them, and it will work. It really will work. And then stage seven is acceptance. And in this stage, you're not running yet, but you are on the way, and you know it's going to happen. You know that that light is brighter and brighter and brighter, and your mood is lifted. You're no longer in the dark. You're no longer depressed. Maybe... You are still a little sad, but it isn't all bad. There is some light. There is some hope. There is some positivity. And you can look at your friends running pictures and you're not sad by them. I think that's a really, really good clue. I think that's a really good sign. And I I really like those stages. And I really like looking at them as one looks like when they have a long-term injury. 
So let's say you've accepted that you're injured, and it's going to be a while until you're back up and running. So now what do you do? Okay, you've got the seven stages of grief that you have to work through, and that takes a while, so it's not going to happen right away. So what do you do? What You're at home. You're, you're, you've, done, you've cried all night. You're done with that. You're through the whole surprise and, and all that stuff. So what, what can you do? Let's say maybe you can't walk or you can barely walk or, you know, you, you're pretty well stuck at home. You could eat yourself into a coma. Okay, I've done that, done that, been there, done that. It didn't make you feel better, did it? No, it didn't. It was tasted good for a while, but no, didn't really work very well, did it? You could stay in bed feeling sorry for yourself. I've done that too, done that, done that. But that doesn't really make you feel any better either. It just kind of makes you feel worse. You could whine 24-7 on Facebook. Well, no, I haven't done that. I, I don't do that. I may whine a little teeny bit, but I'm not one of those people who constantly whines on Facebook. No, that's not me. I it, If I say something whiny, I really, really mean it, and I hardly ever do. So, I mean, I hardly ever say anything like that on Facebook. If I do, I've been holding it a, a long time. Or... You could actually understand that it might be a while until you can run, but you can still figure out what else you can do. It really depends on your injury as well. If you know you won't be running for a while, but maybe you can still be active. If you can walk, walk. If you can't, swim or ride a bike or just work on your upper body. Yes, I'm guilty of maybe not doing as much as I should, but I walked until I couldn't walk, and I still walk a little bit. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts like a mofo. My gosh, it hurts. It hurts so bad, but I still keep moving. I still walk. Man, I probably eat too much, and I weigh too much, and I didn't lose the weight I wanted to lose, but that's okay. I'm still active. I still get at least a mile in every day. And considering that it really hurts, <laughs> I'm doing okay. I still try to be active. We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I would say for a long time, for months, I was in denial about my injury. I refused to believe that only surgery could fix my problem. I had the cortisone shot, and that lasted 30 days exactly. From the day I got my shot to, bing, 30 days, bang, the pain came back. (laughs) It didn't last any longer than 30 days. 30 days, bang, that was it. It was done. Apparently, if you get cortisone shot too many times, you can destroy the muscle. So I said, no, I can't do that anymore. And I did it one time. That was it. I had relief for 30 days, and then it was done. So I said, nah, no more. No more of that. I can't do that anymore. And I just, so I just figured I'd deal with it being uncomfortable, and I'd just walk more. So I ran when I could, and I walked more. But then the pain got too great, so I couldn't run anymore at all. 
And then the pain got greater and greater and greater. And this last year, it just exponentially got greater. The pain just got tons, tons worse until last spring. I said, that's it. I have to, I have to get this surgery. I can't put it off anymore because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to walk at all by the end of the, end of the year if I wait that long. It's going to be ridiculously bad. So that was really the turning point when I said I have to do it. It's the only course of action for me. There is no other course of action for me. So now, like I said, I walk as much as I can, and I do other things if I can do them. But there are other way, things that you can do to keep yourself upbeat. I mean, I have my podcast, right? I have my podcast here, and I do that. And I have I do other things as well that, that try to keep me in a positive mood. One of the things that I do to keep myself as uplifted as much as I can is I watch videos on YouTube, and I'm going to go over a few that I like. I do watch videos posted by runners, but I find that I don't like to watch that many of them because it depresses me that I can't run. So I kind of feel sad that I can't run. But one of them that I do really like is uh, by Jeff Peltier. He's really good. His videos are outstanding. He's a professional video producer, so he's really, really good at it. He's Canadian. He's from British Columbia. And I actually interviewed him, and he's going to be on a show really soon, so you got to listen to that show. He's, he's outstanding. He's just excellent, excellent runner. His, his girlfriend is a really good runner, too. She is really, really good. I really like his videos, so you should watch them. Since I enjoy hiking, I also like w- watching hiking and backpacking videos. The backpacking, I started watching through hikers. Now, I have no desire to do a through hike. Now, through hikers, if you're not familiar with, they do long-distance backpacking trips. A lot of them do the backpacking trips. There are three big trails. There are a lot of big trails in the U.S., but the three big ones are the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. And those are the, the big three. A lot of backpackers do the triple crown, as they call it. A lot of vloggers will record their whole trip, and they post it on YouTube, and you can follow their whole trip by their vlogs. It's really interesting. And I got started watching some vloggers who do it. I, I, I followed a couple really famous backpackers through hikers, and the two that I started watching at first, just to understand what it was all about, they're kind of like the Jim Walmsley and Courtney Dahlwalter of, of through hikers, and that would be Dixie and Darwin. Now, Dixie is her channel is called Homemade Wanderlust, and she is like the top queen of through hiking. She's done all three of the top three. She's done the Florida Trail. She's done all kinds of trails, and she has a great, great video channel that you you should see. She's really, really good. She's just really awesome. And Darwin is really good too. He's out actually out doing the Continental Divide Trail, and he is he's just outstanding. He would be such a great trail runner if he wanted to be. He used to be a triathlete, used to do triathlons, but I don't know why he didn't get into trail running. I'd love to ask him why he didn't, because he would be really, really good. Anyway, so he does he does these long, long distance through hikes, and he's very cool. He makes these amazing videos. 
what I did is I started watching these through hikers start their trails this year. And you can, even if you don't start watching them when they start, you can just start watching their videotapes. Some of them put out a different video every day. Some of them put out a different video every week. And I started watching one on each trail. It's very interesting. It usually takes them, the three, the big three takes months. Like the Appalachian Trail might take four months and the Pacific Crest Trail might take five and the Continental Divide takes six. They're all different lengths. Appalachian, none of them are easy, okay? They're all very difficult. The Appalachian, though, is the easiest, quote-unquote, of the three. Like I said, none of them are easy, but the Appalachian Trail is the easiest. Then the Pacific Crest Trail and then the Continental Divide Trail is just crazy hard. It's really difficult because there's not a lot of water sources. You've got tons of mountains. Sometimes there's no trail. You have to make up your own trail. It's just the weather is just insane. It's kind of cool. Like I said, I have no desire to do do these things. And I don't know any time of my life where I'll have six months where I can just go off and do, do a trail like that. Plus, you have to figure out they don't always stay on the trail. Sometimes they'll take zero days where they don't hike at all, and they stay in a hotel room. They have to pick up supplies in town. They have to do all this stuff. They hitchhike, too, which I I never realized that they all hitchhike. So I don't know. It's crazy. They hitchhike to and from the trail into town, and there's all this whole system. There's this whole network of trail angels who help them. In the towns near the trails, and they help them and and get to get to town and get back to the trail, and they leave water for them on the trail. Crazy, crazy thing. So you have to watch their videotapes, their YouTube videos. It's very, very cool. This whole this whole community, like trail running, that we that you didn't know existed, and it's fun to watch. And I watched. Um, on the Appalachian Trail, I watched a guy, His and every thru-hiker has a trail name. They all do. The, on the Appalachian Trail, I watched a guy, his channel name is Shaker Hikes. His trail name is Lighthouse, and you'll see why if you watch his vlogs. It's kind of fun. And then on the Pacific Coast Trail, the guy's channel name is Kind of Nomadic. And I don't know his trail name, so I'm going to have to ask him what it is. But I've been in contact with him. And he wants to be on my show when he's done. He's in Washington State right now, so he should be finished pretty soon. His videos are amazing. They're works of art. They're really good. He's he's this uh, young guy from San Jose, and he just does this enormous job. And I hope to have him on my show. And then on the Continental Divide, uh, F- Farrell Hikes. His trail name is Farrell. Guy, sailor guy. And I think it was an officer. I'm not sure, but he's he's intense. He's really good. He puts out this this with these videos with a lot of words of wisdom, and he he's really good. He's very interesting, and he has a lot of thoughts on the trail. I, I like him a lot. He's very he's fun to follow. He's really really fun to follow. Now the Appalachian Trail is the shortest at twenty two thousand one hundred ninety miles. The shortest, quote-unquote, Pacific Crest Trail is 2,650 miles. And the Continental Divide Trail is 3,100 miles long, so it's quite a bit longer than the others. You're also dealing with a lot more wild animals. You're dealing with uh, moose and grizzlies. (laughs) Yeah, you are. 
but they're fun to watch. So I get really involved in their in their vlogs, their vlogs, I should say. But there's other things you can watch if you like to uh, watch other videos. You can get involved in uh, in other videos. That's just my that's just my guilty pleasure, I should say. And I'll, I'll leave links to their channels to see if you if that would be something you'd be interested in watching. I will say that it's easier to film oneself while they're hiking than it is running. There's a there, there's a lot fewer good running video channels on YouTube than there are hiking ones. So it's much easier to film yourself hiking. I give a lot of kudos to trail runners who can do it successfully. Jeff Peltier is one of them, as I mentioned earlier. It may be easier, but if you consider that a through hiker has to do it day after day after day for five or six months, that's really hard. <laughs> now, if that doesn't interest you, there are other things that you can do when you're down and out for three or more months. You can start a new hobby. If there's something that you want to do. If you ever wanted to take up knitting or crocheting, you can do that. You could try your hand at cooking. Maybe try some healthy meals or baking. Start a sourdough starter. You could try to grow some plants. Take a new online course. Start a blog. There's all kinds of free websites for that. Learn a new language. Duolingo is great. Declutter. I've been doing a lot of that lately, actually. It does help. Just get rid of stuff. Volunteer. This is a really, really good thing to do. You can volunteer when you're down and out. Or read inspiring books. There's lots of books you can read. There are things you can do. You don't have to sit and feel sorry for yourself. I mean, sure, make time for that because we all need a little self-pity. We do. All of us need that occasionally, but that shouldn't be all you do. We can get through this. We just have to know that there is an end. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, okay? And now, Tales of the Trail. Okay, this week, I have a three stories... Not necessarily good news stories, but they are important to the running world. The Marine Corps Marathon, scheduled for the last weekend of October this year, is canceled. And this comes right from the, their website. Due to security and safety precautions currently in place, after exhausting all possibilities the opportunity to safely operate and execute a live event is just not feasible at this time, said Rick Nielis, director of Marine Corps Marathon Organization. Well, okay then. If they really felt it was necessary to cancel, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but that's their decision. It's their race. What I do disagree with is it's only a month before the race. Couldn't they have done it a little earlier? I mean, it's only like four weeks away. I think that's, mm, I, th I don't think that's being very considerate to all the people who are, who had everything in place, who 
got all their training done. I mean, they're pretty much all their your training is done a month before. I just, I find it disappointing. And I just, I'm sad for all the people who were all ready to go, had done all the right work for months, and now they're not going to be able to do anything. So I, it only makes me wonder if the same thing is going to happen to the JFK 50 happening in, in, later on. Let's hope not. The San Francisco Marathon happened by the time this comes out a couple weeks ago. With the runners were forced to wear masks over part of the course. This is because it goes through the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, which is part of the National Park System. So the marathoners had to wear masks for a little over six miles. It wouldn't be that bad if we had a mayor who actually practiced what she preaches, but we don't. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> that's it. I'm not going to get into it anymore. Okay? All right. That's all I'm saying. And the ITMB bans painkillers, including ibuprofen, before or during any of their events. You know, this has everything to do with their partnership with Iron Man. You just know it. They never had this rule before. Why have it now? And that is this week's Tales of the Trail. Okay, that is this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. All the links and info will be on the website at MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. If you have any races, race reports you want to give to me for Tales of the Trail, please email me at MarthaRunsTheWorld at gmail.com. If you want to give me any comments, questions, or ideas for future shows, you can also email me at that email address. And until next week, let's tie up your shoelaces and go for a run.